Hello and welcome to episode four of the We Found Again podcast. I'm Joe Parton. Hello, Dan Studley. Hello. I, I can't believe we're still going. Four. We're still here. We're a month in. Hopefully you're all surviving and we're getting you through it. Um, Dan, uh, you mentioned you made a banana bread. You showed me before we, we started recording a piece of flapjack. How, how's your baking going? I'm still baking. I'm still missing football. Um, so I made a flapjack with dates and, and seeds, and I can't get it to coagulate. That's the problem. I think that means when it sticks together. Still reading those um, dictionaries. Yeah, still still going through them. I'm you did have to tell to me. Now, so. You did have to tell me that it was a flapjack when you when you showed me the picture of it. It tastes better than its texture. We'll <laughs> give it that. Dan, I've reached the stage of uh, unemployment, fellow, whatever you want, where I'm. Uh, a dedicated homes under the hammer follower now but i'm actually quite disappointed with the lack of dion dublin he takes a bit more of a back seat than i thought has there been plenty of upstairs to the bedrooms going on or... there's a couple of them there's a couple of them i also tried the jesse lingard workout have you seen this on the bbc sport I haven't, no. jesse lingard recorded a 40 minute workout and the, the idea is that you follow him along um He's quite. He's in pretty good shape, Jesse Lingard. Try to have a go at. So, on our last episode, we, we talked a bit about our, our little non-league football society, and as we said, we, we may have a little bit more about that on a future episode as well. But what's really nice about that was other universities found out about it um, and kind of saw what we were doing and tried to replicate it where they are, Joe. They did. Um, and what was amazing about it is that it was completely spontaneous. Um, I, well, we both had blogs at the time. We had a bit of a social media presence. Um, and the first one was up in Newcastle. Um, uh, a lad, Hannes Reed, um, who's now a good friend of mine, um, uh, just found one of our tweets, read one of the blogs and decided Newcastle Uni need this. Uh, and then Alex at University of Huddersfield, um, he was following AFC Emily. He started one as well. Um, it was brilliant that we inspired two more societies to spring up. Yeah, so good, you know, that, that model of student-friendly, affordable football, um, you know, can spread around the country. And I think what's great is the non-league clubs getting on board. And we've actually been to AFC Emily, um, and a great little club, isn't it, Joe? It's brilliant, yeah, um, lovely. And uh, the Newcastle, as, it's football mad, the North East is, and it's just packed full of non-league teams. There's so many other parts of the country where this could work. So um, we're going to really go into a lot of detail uh, in a bonus episode um, so you can hit, listen to that then. So, Dan, uh, we are uh, four weeks into the podcast, four weeks uh, further away from the last football match we attended. Um, how much closer are we to the next football match we're attending? I mean, it's still quite up in the air, isn't it? And, and there's all these project restart, as they're calling it. Sounds sounds a little bit sort of too serious for me. Um, but yeah, lots of things flying around about Obviously, neutral venues could be an option. Um, and this latest one about reduced halves, Joe. I think this is all getting a little bit Alan Partridge. You know that scene where he's desperately trying to salvage his TV career and he's just throwing ideas at the, at the producer? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that this is one, you know, when, you, when you're playing FIFA and you don't have a lot of time in the evening, so you reduce the halves. Is, there, not... is that anything to do with the fact that if every game in the Premier League finished on 45 minutes this season, Wolves would be in 20th? position bottom of the league it's just a fast i mean people are talking about integrity of the competition a football match is 90 minutes long you know you've got aston villa up in 13th on their first half form i mean you know anyone can defend for 45 minutes and then concede five in the second half i just really think this is a this is a bad idea um i i, I like the neutral venues idea a little bit better um 
But there's been some interesting comments, I think, from the people who are most concerned, which is club chairman. Um, I was reading Andy Pilly, the Fleetwood chairman, and he actually made a really good point. He said, what is important here for football? Uh, is it who achieves success this season or is it a long-term sustainable pyramid? It's a really good point that he makes. Massively. And Simon Jordan, um, ex-Palace chairman, um, I was listening to on TalkSport, made some brilliant points. Very similar, really, just kind of saying that um, you know, money is running everything here. There isn't any other motive. You know, the players don't really want to carry, don't want to start again. Um, you know, fans obviously aren't going to be around. So, you know, money is driving it and it, it, you don't really see the point in it at the moment um, just to pay players that don't really need to be paid. You know, they can afford a few months of no pay for clubs to reset, be sustainable, build a more sustainable model you know i think that should be the paramount importance to make sure that all of our clubs are existing out the back of this absolutely and then looking forward to next season whenever that does start there's actually a very real prospect that the entire thing will be played behind closed doors it's almost inconceivable um but we were reading on the daily mail weren't we um there's this german app which might add a bit of atmosphere hopefully it might provide a solution what do you make of this dan yeah, so I think you get four choices as to the noise that you project into the stadium. And then they have like an away bit that's a bit quieter than the home bit. Um, what a load of rubbish, really, isn't it? Yeah, so the four choices, you can, you can click to cheer, to clap, to sing or to whistle. First question, what are you singing? Do you get options? Do they upload the club chants? Um, can you direct songs at particular players? at the referee. Um, and I want there to be an option for when someone shanks the ball out for a throw-in for everyone to, to jeer, to go, way. it's all part of the experience. I don't know how you're stopping people pressing that in a minute silence as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And also, is this playing over the tannoy? I remember once I went to watch Mansfield Town years and years ago. Uh, and when they scored, they played fans cheering over the tannoy instead of goal music. And it was one of the worst things I've ever heard at a football ground. How is this going to work? I, I really don't think it is, is it? But it's going to be quite funny, these teams, obviously, in Germany and some of the other countries where they've got those famous end-of-match chants where the players will shout something, the fans will shout back. Um, you know, I wonder if they'll be doing that, just sort of shouting into an empty stadium and getting everyone on that app to, to reply. I'm hoping for at least one player to run into an empty stand, you know, celebrating a last minute goal, pretending that he's being mobbed by the fans. I even want a steward to drag him out of the empty stand. That'd be brilliant. Actually, onto my what to watch I'll talk about later on in the episode. There was a great feature on that where the player scored and ran all the way down one side of the ground with his hand held in the air. And then when the camera zooms out, there's three full stands and he's celebrating all the way along a building site with no one there. So that's quite funny. I can see, though, a situation really where in any town, but I use Wolverhampton as an example, um, all of these the terraced houses or this street, everyone's a Wolves fan. Everyone's watching the game. You can imagine a last minute goal against Aston Villa. Everyone's pouring out into the streets. It actually might be quite good. It's a little consolation. Obviously, it'd be better to be in the stadium, but you'll get the whole street involved, surely. Like we said last week, you know, it's going to be something, whatever it happens and whether it not happens or what it's going to be, we don't know. But it's going to be something we'll remember the rest of our life, whatever. So as we're fully aware now, football is 
continuing and alive and kicking in one small part of Europe, and that is Belarus. And we are on to our next part of the show where we talk about the Belarus League. And we're sorry that we, we've just focused on the Belarus Premier League. And in fact, there are three leagues continuing to function in Europe. And they are, of course, the Belarus Premier League, the Belarus First League and the Belarus Second League. Um, so this football system kind of has just 16 teams in the Premier League. 15 in the first league and then 16 in the second league. A full pyramid. I would say that promotion and relegation is two clubs up or down from each league. That's kind of how it generally runs. But I believe there's quite a lot of facility issues with teams you know, not being able to go up and teams being a youth version of another team. So often, from what I can see, the promotions and relegations are a little bit confusing. But if you need your second and third tier fix, maybe you're a... League One, League Two fan and, and want to stick to, to that kind of tier of football in the nation. Um, I've got a few teams for you. So in the third tier, you've got FC Underdog Christ. And they, they actually were called FC Christ until they got promoted to the second tier in 2019 and then renamed themselves Underdog Christ. I don't know whether they were underdogs and thought, actually, we've got promoted, so we might just add that to our name. Or that was quite that was quite a good one, I thought. Um, okay. And another one for you is so my team Neiman. Um, yeah. There's another team in Neiman. They're actually called Neiman Agro. So, I mean, maybe it's, it's just slightly like, more aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's because of the wrong end of town. Maybe the ultras have a have a bit of a team that are actually good enough to play in the third tier. Um, you know, I think I think it is mainly amateur, sort of bordering very very closely on semi pro, maybe more near to amateur. Um, but there's a pyramid. There's some other teams you should follow. So go and go and dig in. There's some brilliant crests in there. Some brilliant. Crests. Yeah. Go and have a look. I was having a look through the crests, um, and there's some absolutely brilliant ones. Dan, when we uh, make our pilgrimage to Belarus, whenever we're allowed to watch football, perhaps next season, hopefully, we've definitely got to tick off some of these smaller teams, some of these smaller grounds. Um, but talking about the first division, um, Slutsk um, still top, um, uh, scoring t- the two goals of the weekend in their 2-1 victory over Dynamo Minsk. Um, but there's a few teams behind them. Torpedo with a 5-2 win. Uh, Barte Borisov uh, following up uh, behind them as well. So a really interesting uh, point in the season. Uh, can Slutsk hold on? Uh, if you watch the highlights of one game from the Belarus League, search for Vitebsk uh, versus Slavia Mozir, an incredibly entertaining topsy-turvy 3-2 win for the away side. Um, and then um, if you're looking for a team, maybe you're a Norwich fan or um, you're a Sunderland fan, I don't know, you enjoy supporting the worst team. Belshina, rock bottom, winless, lost 3-0. So if you get a bit of pride from supporting the basement boys, uh, Belshina are the team for you. So that's your Belarus update for this week. I remember all games live on YouTube and they spread them out across the weekend. So you can't really get enough of Belarus on a weekend, if I'm honest. We would prescribe at least one 90-minute match uh, a a weekend. Uh, Everyone's got time for that. Go on, treat yourself. (laughs) So, Dan, um, uh, as we're helping people through uh, quarantine, through lockdown, uh, we're recommending something to watch, something to read, something to follow. Why don't you kick us off with what you've been watching this week? Yeah, so I think everyone's got to that stage of lockdown now. I think a lot of people are getting a bit bored of it and a bit down, potentially. Um, And I can't think of a better football um, video, documentary, whatever you want to call it, Nick Hancock's Football Nightmares. It came out in the mid-90s, and it is comedian Nick Hancock, um, talking you through um, footballing blunders, stadium blunders. Um, there is a massive fire on, on behind a goal. There is a, a bee's nest in a net. 
Um, there, there is everything hilarious and crazy about football. And also, he's on a bit of a pilgrimage to try and watch um, a game at Stoke City. And that's kind of funny as part of it as well. Um, absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, and his commentary makes it. I concur with that. Yeah, Dan, it's something that you quote all the time. So um, people will understand Dan more if they watch it. Um, so we normally do what to read. I'm actually going to, we're going to make a bit of a change this week. We're going to go what to listen. There's a few brilliant uh, podcasts that you can listen to in conjunction to ours. One of them I've been listening to, the Football Shirt Pod. Uh, I'm a huge fan. We both are of our retro football kits. Uh, and an account on Twitter, Cult Kits, um, have started uh, a podcast. The first guest was Charlie Cooper, the actor from this country, a big Fulham fan. Uh, they've got another uh, episode as well. I definitely recommend that. You can find it on Spotify, the Football Shirt Pod. And our follow uh, will be at Cult Kits. It's a great time to uh, maybe add to your football kit collection in lockdown, get something to wear while you sat on the sofa. So that's our follow for this week. So on to the main part of the show this week's theme. We've come through the turnstiles. We spent some time in the clubhouse uh, and then we went and watched the first part of the game by the dugouts. Um, and as the game's gone on, we've noticed some interesting, uh, well, let's call them characters around us, Dan. Some people that you, you always find at non-league football. Yeah, and not just non-league football, football league as well. There's, um, you know, an array of um, society that attend football. I think let's leave it like that. Absolutely. Now, in the Football League, you said there's many characters. Everyone always knows uh, John Portsmouth Football Club, um, who rings his bell, the Pompey Charmer. Some of you may know Rocky at Burnley. If you've ever been anywhere near Turf Moor on a match day, you would have heard him. Uh, the Tango Man, Sheffield Wednesday. I remember we went to Leighton Orient, Sheffield Wednesday, watched the shirtless Tango Man uh, copy the cheerleaders step by step before the game. I, I was at Sheffield Wednesday a couple of years ago, and it was an absolutely Baltic day. It was about minus two, and Tango Man was in the corner. And the, the kind of floodlight or the light within the stand was sort of shining down on him in the dark. So it made him look even more orange, even though he isn't that orange, but he's called Tango Man. But it basically maybe stands there to make him look more like Tango Man. I'm not sure. He's always front and centre, isn't he? Um, so Football League, they know. But m many of these people get lost in the crowds. And at non-league, um, instead, these characters become the heartbeat. Um, now, the most famous one in popular culture, I suppose, of course, the Wildstone Raider. Um, it was curious, this, the video that made him famous was recorded years before it, it, it blew up and he became, you know, a, a nightclub sensation in Malia and stuff. So, uh, but he's probably the most famous. There's one of these at every club and we've met a fair few, haven't we, Dan? Yeah, you know, across non-league, there is a lot of unique people, funny people. Um, but I think this is what's so good about non-league. You know, there's not many things that bring together so many people that you probably wouldn't meet otherwise um, without football. Absolutely. Um, and it's the, it's, it's the way they take you by surprise. I remember we went to Didcot Town. Uh, we walked in. I was desperate to get a pin badge, something that I collect from every ground. And we I couldn't find a club shop, could we? You couldn't see it anywhere. But exactly, yeah, we couldn't couldn't find it. We went up to somebody and we said, "Excuse me, mate." Um, he looked like he knew that he, you know where everything was. We said, "Excuse me, mate. Do you know where the club shop is?" He opened the lapel of his jacket and said, 
behind the club shop. <laughs> <laughs> Ties, pennants, badges, everything. Brilliant. And then we've got the ground offers who go to, um, you know, people who go and do often maybe 10 games over a bank holiday weekend. They schedule games and stagger the kickoff so people can make a lot of different grounds over a short weekend. Um, these people will come together and obviously, I imagine I've done thousands of grounds each. Um, we had them at my little village club in Gloucestershire. It was amazing. and It was uh, 2010, I think it was. And we had um, 2008, actually, sorry, 2008. And we had 424 people watching. Normally average about 50 fans at a home game. So it was unbelievable. Two of them brought a fold-out table so they could put all their paperwork on where they detail um, subs that have made in that kind of thing. So um, unique, but amazing for, you know, to go around all those very small clubs and, and the revenue, you know, that's revenue that you probably would have waited a whole season to get, you get in, in one game. And hoppers as well, you'll get them in, in, a, in a small part of the Cotswolds or Gloucestershire from all over the country, even all over the world. And it's just amazing, you know, it's crazy to think people travel, you know, we've had people in my club where people have traveled from Essex like five, six hours to watch a game in the 10th tier of English football, you know, fantastic lengths people go just to just to go to a new ground and see someone new and meet some new people. Now, Dan, um, you mentioned clipboards, you mentioned fold-out tables. There's been times where you and I have sat at a game and maybe there's a dull moment in the game and we've been looking around and we've tried to identify the most non-league person there, the character that's there. So, Dan, what, what is it about a person? What are we looking for when we're looking for that character at a game? I think most importantly, on a cold day, we're looking for a bubble hat that is kind of half on, half off. We, we don't want that bubble hat sort of fully down on the head kind of serving its purpose. We want it more to be sort of half off and sort of a bit of an ear sticking out. Don't Definitely an ear sticking out. I think that um, a, a coat with some, um, a, what, what do you call it? The, the tassels that you adjust, they need to be hanging very far down. You know, they haven't been done up very well. Um, and it's definitely a cagoule. The hood's never up as well. The head's getting wet, um, the hood's down. And what are they holding? Always, what are they holding? This is the most important thing for a lot of ground hoppers is a collection of programs. I was talking to someone actually, a ground hopper, who said they always buy three programs at a game. I was like, three? Why do you need three? So the idea is you get one to read, which kind of makes sense. You like to read your program. You get one to keep pristine, put it straight into a wallet. No one will ever touch it apart from those gloves that a snooker referee wears. That's the only way you'll touch it. And then you've got a third one just in case anything happens. It's you know, <laughs> kind of a safety net. Just in case. It's the eccentricity of these people and the fact that although you find them at every ground, everyone is completely different. Um, one of my favourite characters that I've ever met wasn't actually affiliated to a particular club. We actually bumped into him a few times, Dan. Autograph man. Yeah, so this guy collects autographs. He's back in his 50s. Um, the best thing about this story was we met him at a FA Cup replay, was it? At Hendon. Um, and yes. we saw him um, bent over his boot looking for autograph books to take to um, for ex-Oxford uh, ex United players, player for Oxford City. Um, and then 24 hours later, Joe, we went to an, another FA Cup game, didn't we? And who did we see? Yeah, it was, it was Brackley Town versus Gillingham, Monday night. One of the most entertaining non-league games I've been to, and we almost missed him. He was he was hunched over his boot, uh, looking for, and there he was. Uh, yeah, looking looking for a nineteen seventies picture of Peter Taylor because he was a Gillingham <laughs> manager, as you do. So 
And then the real moment for us was our annual excursion to Scarborough for the cricket festival. Uh, we go on our Saturday night out after a day at the cricket, walk into a tiny little bar in Scarborough, and who is there sat by the bar? It's Autograph Man. I mean, he did tell us he has an additional house purely to store his autograph collection. Maybe true, maybe not. Yeah, a flat in Kettering, I think, which just has his autographs in. Something he had, like yeah, he had like a box for every club, yeah. So they are our characters. There's a little collection of them for you to kind of think about. And I'm sure you've all got your own as well. Every ground you go to has got a different character. Um, so as Joe said, we've we've gone through that turnstile. We've we've maybe um, sampled the refreshments in the clubhouse. We've, we've got a spot for first half on the dugouts. And we've met a few characters. So, so we're, we're kind of getting into our match day now, aren't we, Joe? I really feel like I'm there. This this is this is satisfying uh, a bit of a thirst for me, definitely. Hopefully it is uh, for you too. If there's any characters that you know from your local club that you think really deserve a mention, uh, we'll give them a shout next week. So let us know. And now on to our birthday. And, you know, it's VE Day and we thought, you know, having a having an English um, theme on this, I think would be really important. Um, so Mark Noble actually is 33 this Friday. Um, obviously he played for West Ham nearly all his career, had a couple of loan spells, over 400 games for West Ham. And he's had an amazing career and, you know, been a fantastic player, stalwart of West Ham and, you know, one of the most kind of respected um, midfielders in the Premier League. And he actually played for England all the way through his career. I think he played under 16s, 17s, 18s, 19s, under 21s. He went all the way through. So I think we were all thinking, you know, year in, year out Premier League player, destined for an England cap. And it didn't come and, you know, we're still waiting and he's still trying and he's 33. And is he going to have it? And I feel terrible saying this, but Mark, I think it's just time to give it up. So Casey and the Sunshine Band... Take it away. Happy birthday, Mark. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mark. 33 today. The most impressive thing about Mark Noble is the way that he's kept the same haircut throughout his entire career. It's absolutely wonderful. I hope you have a wonderful day celebrating VE Day um, and all that's good about England and everything like that. So, Dan, uh, we're alternating features. Uh, uh, two episodes ago, we started building our perfect ground. We put four stands in it. Uh, next, what do we need on our perfect ground? Well, I think we need some classic floodlights, don't we? I think that'd be an important addition. Yes, because as well as Saturday at three o'clock, we want a few evening games, games under the lights, don't we? Definitely. And also games in the winter that are going to start in the dark anyway. So, Of course, absolutely. Um, So uh, we're going to pick two each. Uh, You start, Dan. Yeah, so I'm going to start with Fratton Park. Um, I've been in that quite low roofed away and looking across at the, the that kind of main big stand behind the goal and those two towering floodlights you know you can see them from from across this across the city um and fratton park's one of my favorite grounds in the country um oozes character and has all the kind of football murals when you walk down the back roads and brilliant ground so i think i'd love a fratton park addition in my ground so my first floodlight fratton park I tell you what, if we were doing toilets to put in the ground, I wouldn't do the ones in front of the park. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I agree, lovely ground. Okay, um, my first one is going to be 
uh, Plainmore, Torquay United, one of those floodlights, just because I think they are the most floodlight floodlights around. You can see a picture of them on the We Founder Game Instagram. So the second corner is going to be Plainmore, Torquay. Purely because they're the most floodlight floodlights. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to do... <laughs> Uh, my second floodlight is going to be Griffin Park. Um, you know, you, obviously, you come in on that motorway, you can. Griffin Park stands out, and it's an amazing ground pub on each corner. Um, and also, I want, I want to mention Griffin Park because th- the weekend just gone would have been their last ever game at Griffin Park. And you know, there's a lot of talk going around that there won't be another game there. They might have to demolish it. The new ground is virtually finished. I saw a video this week that the ground's done and kind of ready to go. So that's really sad that you know their fans may have already done their last ever game at that stadium and not had a chance to say goodbye so that's that's quite sad very sad yeah last season I went to a random game I just watched them play Burton Albion at home just because I thought this might be the last chance um, and I went on a Tuesday night uh, the floodlights did a wonderful job fantastic ground be sorely missed uh, so the final corner this one's a bit random um, is it I'm still going to be a floodlight floodlight or uh, this is still a floodlight floodlight uh, <laughs> um, I know what I meant um this is from my the final one is from the Ruhrstadion, which is the home of VfL Bochum in Germany. Um, oh, you went a bit German there. You got you got it in, didn't you? you oh yeah, well, I've been practicing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the reason I picked these, I went to this game um, a couple of years ago. This ground, they are the tallest things I've ever seen for floodlights. They are just unbelievably big. Um, really out of character with the stadium in the way. I don't know if they're planning to build a second tier, and so they built the floodlight high ready for it but I think that like you said for Fratton Park a really important thing of a ground is you've got all these fans looking for it what's the first thing you see is a floodlight we need one that's really really tall you're pulling off the junction of the motorway you already know where the ground is so my fourth one is from the Ruhrstadion VfL Bochum so we've got our four stands and our four floodlights for our perfect ground and episode six we'll add a couple more additions to to finish off what we want our perfect ground to look like very exciting so looking forward to episode five dan we've been through the turnstiles been into the clubhouse uh we've uh, stood by the dugouts and met some characters dan i'm getting a little bit peckish i don't know about you we've got that curry booked um yeah we probably want some it to kind of just keep us going don't we so you know there's food in all different shapes sizes boxes sheds whatever you want to call them um so i think food refreshments needs its own yeah, we haven't quite settled on the word yet, so look forward to that. Grub, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll, we'll work yeah, it out. we'll try and work it out. Yeah. But um, everything that you eat at the football that we've eaten, that's next week's theme. Uh, wonderful. So that just leaves us to say, stay safe. Wash your hands. And thanks for listening.